calleth Peter, Raphael. Isaiah 6 1-8, LK 5-1-11. Ever since Pope Francis came to the seat of Peter, he's been calling all Catholics to be missionary disciples. But we're not always taught what it is to be a disciple, let alone a missionary disciple. The word today, however, is just about this call. We are presented with two, very powerful call experiences in Scripture. That of Isaiah and of Peter. In the year King Uzziah died. Uzziah was one of the better kings of Judah. Under him the kingdom prospered. Uzziah's death could be mentioned simply to date Isaiah's call, but there is possibly more. It is a time when the nation of Judah, and Isaiah have experienced a serious loss. It's a time of great political instability. It is possible that Isaiah himself had pinned his hope, maybe more than he should on the king. And as he enters the temple, the heavens open up and he sees the Lord high and mighty on his throne. The true king. The train of a king's mantle represented his power. The longer the train, the greater the extent of the king's reach and authority. And the train of this king touched everywhere. As the heavens are opened to him Isaiah goes into meltdown. In a moment, it makes and remakes Isaiah's entire perspective, and life. He sees what is real and what is not. This is a moment of intense grace, and it is always God's initiative. As he sees God, he also sees his own sin. Maybe before, the whole world was the problem, there were these enemies of Israel, the king had died, there was politics, the people were not following God's law and what not. Suddenly, standing before the glory of God, the whole world melts away. All Isaiah can see is just how unclean he himself is, before the holiness of God. As he confesses his unworthiness, it is again, God who cleanses him. At the same time, he is sent on mission. This by no means an uncommon experience for people who come to faith. Sometimes people have visionary experiences like this, other times, the heavens don't open up, but they suddenly see truth so clearly, that there's no going back. There are at least two priests I know and a few others I know of, who were called in somewhat similar ways. One knew he had to be a priest as he walked home from work, having been a lapsed Catholic and doubting God's existence for a long time. My own experience was not dissimilar. But this experience is not confined to those called to be priests, by any means. Then, there is Peter. Again, Jesus takes the initiative. Jesus gets into Peter's boat, without his permission, and starts giving orders. There is this carpenter-turned-rabbi who is telling him how to fish, and quite ridiculous instructions at that, you did not fish in the morning. Luke might have had a hand in sanitizing what Peter really said but he still obliges. Then, he experiences the overwhelming goodness of God, far beyond any expectations. God is good to him, without him asking. Peter doesn't see the terrifying glory of God like Isaiah, but the goodness of God is just another manifestation of God's glory. In that, Peter is changed. He too sees his own unworthiness. But now, he doesn't have to be in control of everything, before this God who is good. Then, comes the call. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Peter does, and the world is changed as a result of it. Maybe, in speaking of conversion it might seem that we are talking only about people who come to know God for the very first time, from being atheists and so on. We could think, well, we're in church already, this is about other people. Far from it. Isaiah was in the temple, already, coming to pray, when he had his experience. Peter was probably a faithful Jew, whose life Christ invaded. This conversion is necessary for all of us. Which is why the saints often speak of a second conversion. It is about people who are already in church, you and me. This second conversion is necessary because we even when we are drawn to God, we can be very much in charge of our lives. God is a part of our lives, but He has freedom to act only as much as He fits in with our plans. But sometimes, God will touch us in a way that everything changes, as Isaiah and Peter discover. 
This God is far beyond anything we can do for Him, and certainly not someone we can control. He is not an impersonal force, He is a person, who calls us into relationship with Himself. His goodness comes as a free gift. For most of us, this experience of conversion happens over time, rather than as a one-time event. Even with such powerful one-off experiences, it is simply the beginning of a journey of faith. Like Peter, we begin to trust God enough to let Him more into our lives, our boat. We obey Him even when His instructions don't seem to make sense. Someone once compared letting the Holy Spirit into our lives, to giving Him the keys to your home. He comes in, cleans up the house, throws out the garbage and generally rearranges everything and gives the keys back to us. Our home suddenly becomes very different, but strangely feels much more our own at the same time. That's when we become disciples. We begin to see that our lives are not fully our own, they are about God. Our place is with the Master. It is the disciples who get to know the Master's secrets, who get to hear the beat of His heart as John did at the Last Supper. They know His love, and what their lives are about. Disciples know that they are not worthy, but at the same time, want to share what they have experienced. This is mission. This is what happens at Mass. We come in, knowing we have been loved and called by God. In the light of His love, we confess our sins. He reveals to us His goodness in His Word and even more in the Eucharist. And having received of His goodness, we are sent forth, to announce the Gospel. Mission is not about trying to convert anyone, only God can do that. It is about sharing the Gospel, which has truly become good news for us. To give what we have received to a world in need. Thank you.